0: Oh, Welcome back. It's another Meathead Hippie podcast. I'm your host, Emily Schramm, nutritional therapy practitioner, personal trainer, and entrepreneur, helping you empower yourself um, because you can. (laughs) That was like a very womp womp tagline. Okay. So you can empower yourself and I just want to give you the tools to do it. This podcast is one of my favorite things to do because I get to talk to people that I love and maybe haven't gotten to connect as much through through the gram or through social media. And Nagar is one of those people that I've wanted to interview for a long time because she's a total meathead hippie and you're going to love her. I just cannot wait to dig into it. She is unapologetic in the work that she does, which we talk about how much behind the scenes work was done to get to that point, right? It's not just, wow, this person's bold and a word witch and magical and you know, visionary. It's saying she went through the shit in order to get to where she is. And we want to dig into that in a really cool way today, because it's so important, whether you're starting your own business, whether you are a business owner, whether you are an empath, whether you are intuitive, whether you're curious about this hippie side, I think it's just a little bit of everything today. We're going to talk about the kind of, polarity of being a meathead and also being a hippie and what that means and how we can take space in that place. Why we feel like so many times it's harder to take up space and how it's hard to feel like we can toot our own horn without being egotistical or without being cocky and having this negative connotation with it, where that comes from. We talk about imposter syndrome, trusting your magic We talk about boundaries and how the deeper we go into ourselves, those boundaries become effortless because there is no other way. Just like authenticity in the work that we do, it is hard to start and it is hard to practice, but once you start practicing it, there is no return. We get taught we talk about comparison, liberation. Oh my God, guys, it's so good. I just finished filming it and I'm just on a high. It was so good. I have so much to say that I'm just going to let you listen in, but I promise you want to listen to this. Um, A quick little tidbit before I get jump, jump into Nagar's bio. There is a MFIT challenge happening right now. And we talk about boundaries quite a bit. And we talk about kind of Our work and making our work accessible and giving all this stuff for free, which I love doing, right? The podcast and my Instagram and my YouTube and um, my Twitter. You know what? We're constantly putting out work and I absolutely love it. I wouldn't want it any other way. But sometimes when people ask me about, well, where do I start? I just want to lose weight. Or what about macronutrients? Or what about a high fat diet? I have put together a 21 day program that's 21 bucks. It's been this cheap since I started it. over six and a half years ago. It is this cheap because it should be this cheap for you to have the tools to start the life that you want. And I did not know where to start when I was first searching for kind of this gluten-free paleo high fat lifestyle. I did it all wrong. And so that was the kind of start the origin of this 21-day program, but what it's turned into is a badass community of thousands of humans just doing their best, being their best, and learning about food and what works for their body. This is not just a one-size-fits-all, but it is enough of a template for you to feel really confident in the decisions that you make every single day. So whether it's your grams of protein, whether it's why you start something and why you quit something, or whether it's if you should do fasting or not, I promise this is the place for you to start. So we started it on March 4th. You can totally jump into my group. We have a huge group happening right now. It's 21 days, $21. There's three versions, start with version one. If you wanna really learn about the details of macronutrients, but then look at, don't overthink it. If you're somebody that kind of starts things and ends things, and you feel like you fall off the bandwagon really quickly, because we tap into mindset, I put in a bonus 90 90 minute session with me that is from my all access pass that teaches people why we have this horrible all in, all out mentality and how we can learn how to trust ourselves. So seriously, just start there. That is my biggest, most favorite place for people to jump in and learn about everything they're asking me on the DMs, in the comments, et cetera, et cetera. Just do yourself a favor and join in. Go to emilystrom.com and it's linked in the bio. Okay. This is going to be amazing. Nagar Fanuni is a writer, intuitive coach, healer, and practicing witch from Los Angeles. Her intention is to help women identifying folks reclaim their worthiness, harness their magic, and step into their power. After spending 16 years in the fitness industry as a trainer and body liberation coach, she now reads tarot for clients and coaches other healers on how to develop a brand and business that is soul-centered and valuable to the collective. She is currently writing a book titled The Universe is Trolling You, and in her free time, she can be found doing CrossFit and nurturing her over hundreds of houseplants, which I can relate to that. (laughs) Um, This is going to be so good. You guys are going to freaking love it. Also, at the very end, we talk about March 6th, which is the new moon today, a new moon in Pisces, and let's get witchy. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate Meathead Hippie. Welcome to the show. The guy from the movie. welcome to Meathead Hippie. You just fit the description to a
1: T, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's probably an identification that I've had um, for quite some time.
0: Yay. And I have followed you. I was saying before we hit record, I feel like I know you. I mean, I just, I really do know everything about you in some way, but not in the way that I want to get to know you, which is why I'm so excited to finally interview you. It was a selfish reason because I (laughs) we would be best friends and yeah. I don't want to know you Instagram world. I want to know you real world. So Oh,
1: thank um, you, Emily.
0: Yeah, of course. Welcome to the show. I think really, you know, the work that you do This is my favorite thing I pulled from your blog. (laughs) You said, um, from macros to magic.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: From kettlebells to crystals. And it just explains it all together. Even though I know you still are, you know, swinging the kettlebells and doing doing the flips and deadlifts, I want to just talk about that transition because um, Mm -mm. there's room for both, right? Absolutely. I think it's just so fun. We've never had a podcast where we can just talk about like how much space you can take if you are both meathead and both hippie, or maybe you're a little more hippie than meathead, or maybe you're more meathead than hippie, but how much space you can take and should take when you have those two types of interests. And I would like to know just your journey, figuring all that out. I mean, that's a really big question, but
1: (laughs) that's where where we will start. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I will say that while I don't, while I no longer like offer fitness as um, a way to work with me, so I don't write training programs or, you know, train clients in fitness and nutrition any longer, it is still a really, really significant part of my life. So, you know, I do CrossFit five days a week. Um, I train with a team. Um, we're doing the open right now, you know, oh, so it's I'm like, even, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even doing the open. That's um, yeah, just for fun. Let's be honest. Okay. See that, like, <laughs> that
0: was my problem. There is no just for fun. Ah, it uh, so it's gone. It can, yeah. yeah, cut out.
1: <laughs> well, I know who I'm competing with, and I know that it's not uh, the forty thousand other women across the world who are in my age group because there's, you know, these women are like, this is their life. They're they're trying to qualify, or they're, you know, it's what they're doing. For me, I'm just like. Uh, trying to keep up with the younger girls that I train in because I'm the oldest girl on my team. Um, And it's just fun to like kick everyone's ass and be like, yeah, I'm almost 37. So (laughs) So that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So while I don't, I don't offer it anymore. I don't, um, you know, sell programs or do any of that stuff. Um, it is still like a very, very significant daily part of my life. I, I do, you know, track my macros. I, um, you know, I make sure that I'm recovered. I train five days a week. I do active recovery. I do ice baths. Like it's huge for me. I just started to feel probably about maybe two years ago. Like I just didn't have any more to offer in the fitness world that I had really pretty much said everything I wanted to say. And what I have noticed for me is that if I really, really into something and then I take it on as a part of my, a facet of my business, there can come a time when it no longer sparks that same joy for me that it did when it wasn't part of my professional life. And so oftentimes, I will find myself having to unravel that a little bit. Like I used to teach yoga um i i was I managed a yoga studio, I taught several yoga classes a week, and I really started to neglect my own personal practice. Because it was part of my professional life. and so being able to ease out of that and decide like, okay well, I'm not going to teach yoga classes anymore, but I'm still going to do yoga has always been kind of a pattern that I find myself doing. Um, and so hopefully, who knows maybe that'll happen with magic too. <laughs> see um, you know to like get to that point where you're like, I don't know that I want to do this for other people anymore And I think that that's fine being able to honor that evolution and those shifts.
0: That's a great point. I actually just was listening to, um, an interview about entrepreneurs and that spirit we have. And also this empath kind of background that most entrepreneurs, I think maybe not most, that's a broad statement, but (laughs) if if we're an empath and an entrepreneur, and then all of a sudden we get into the role of manager. Yeah. How quickly the joy gets taken out of things. Absolutely. But how scary is it when you are, you know, not sure what the divide is, is what roles do I really not like and what roles do I like? And so many of us get stuck in it and I totally can relate to that in many ways. And so it's great that you honored it and then pivoted, right? Instead of taking it and now never wanting to touch it again, it's saying like, this is sacred to me. It might not be what I want to consistently post about or sell or become, um, make my income from, but that you, you, Stepped away in a place that allowed you to still love practicing. You know, yeah,
1: absolutely. Because I think that what can happen is we can get really burnt out by you know the work that we do, and we have to make sure that we have those boundaries. So for me, it's really it's all about boundaries. So while again, like I'd still you know macros to magic in terms of the work that I offer, but um, all of it is still in some way, shape, or form part of my life, and so it's really fun to be able to. Um, to be able to bring that. And I'm sure you have the same experience to be able to bring this other side of yourself to your platform and have so many folks come forward and be like, you have inspired me to get into tarot or you've inspired me to get into, you know, more metaphysical stuff because I relate to you because you're also a meathead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's not typically a space that you see a lot of people like us in. You know, you don't see a lot of like muscular, you know, fit women or women who prioritize fitness the way that we do in those metaphysical worlds. And so I think that for me, it's been really important to show up that way and show both of those very major facets of my life to help give other women who follow me that permission, right? That permission to be like, I can be both of these things. Like I'm allowed to be multidimensional.
0: Uh, and this is like a big topic, but I'm going to go into it. because I, <laughs> I feel like this has allowed, and this is the space that we are hopefully inspiring others to follow as well and pursue because so many times, I mean, you look at typical marketing and advertisement and you look at Instagrams that are looked, they look a certain way and they feel a certain way. And the reason they're successful is because they're easy to digest. They're mm-hmm. easy to understand. They're easy to take in. There's some validity to that when it comes to sales and marketing and business. Absolutely. But so many times we see now our personal brand is now, it has to be marketable and easy and digestible and streamlined and pretty. And when you say we have two very different polar opposite types of personalities, and we can be both, you demand a type of audience that you wouldn't otherwise demand if you were just posting the hippie side of yourself or absolutely you know? So I think it's just so cool and it's it's gonna get you know, it's always gonna be hard and it's just like this constant having to sometimes Turn off the people that we don't want, but the people that we get are the most amazing, radical humans. So, all my oh, listeners, absolutely. it's you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that um, from a marketing standpoint, it can be uh, there can be a tendency towards scarcity when it comes to stuff like that, right? Like, if I am too polarizing in this way, or if you know there's this very specific niche and it's meatheads who are also interested in crystals, like, it's not, mm-hmm. it's, you think, okay, it's not a very very big pool of people to choose from, and so there can be that scarcity to sort of, you know, shift the other way and and make you know your content more digestible and so on. And sometimes I do kind of feel like, well, certain things that I write don't resonate because maybe they're too complex or they're too, you know, they're just they're they're too difficult to to convey because we're trying to do so in these bite-sized doses, but at the end of the day, for me, what it's always come down to is my integrity. And it's not within my integrity. It was not within my integrity to continue to show up in the fitness world the way that I had shown up previously, because now there's this other part of my life that I can't keep quiet anymore. And I'll be honest, I was terrified. To start talking about this stuff on social media, um, you know, I had built my career and I had built my social media platform on fitness and nutrition, and and to a larger extent, body image, and really helping women heal through distorted body image and dysmorphia and um, disordered eating and things like that, because that was what I had gone through. Mm. And so that had really become a major part of my platform. And so then to, um, to introduce to this platform, this other part of my life that had been very private and not, and I had not been public about was terrifying. I was absolutely terrified that people would be like, what the fuck is she doing? Like, why does she think that we want to hear about tarot cards? Like why? (laughs) Um, and the response Emily was actually, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. The response was incredible. I mean, I got so many women messaging me saying, I've always been interested in this. I've always felt called to these things, but I suppressed it because somebody said something to me once, or I suppressed it because I grew up in a religious environment, or I just, it didn't feel like it was available to me. I didn't feel like I fit that, you know, that, um, that group. I didn't feel like I fit into that group of, of humans and and so being able to see that like by doing that vulnerable, scary thing, you are giving other people the opportunity to embrace that aspect of themselves because they relate to you because that's really what social media is about. It's really about, you know, relating to each other and, and finding, you know, commonalities wherein we maybe don't have that in our day-to-day life. Like how many of the people do you work with um, don't have people in their personal lives to talk about this
0: stuff with? Mm. And yeah. yeah, and what you said is it's just like do you remember the first post, like the pivot, or was it kind of a series or was um,
1: it I posted on my Instagram stories because I was like, if I post and I think I post did like a a, whatever my reading was for that day. It was a one card reading that day and I posted the picture and kind of a little bit about it. And I was like, if I post it to my stories, then it's easier because then it'll just go away. And so (laughs) (laughs) it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Like there's no stakes. It's twenty four hours and then it's gone. And um And just that first step though, like doing it that first time, is really important because then you realize like, it's not as scary as you think it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just
0: so what you said. I mean, you have, even when you first wrote your blog, right? Every time you're like, I cannot believe that I'm about to do this. It's because we feel like an imposter, but it is so much bigger than you and those feelings. And when you do it, you all of a sudden realize okay, I can do this. I'm not an imposter anymore. And the, we talk, you talk about this a lot. I would like to know your thoughts on somebody that feels like, why, I mean, why do we not trust ourselves? Why do we constantly get stuck in this imposter syndrome? I'm not good enough. I'm not sure I should be the one saying this, etc.
1: Well, I think there's multiple things. I think a lot of it is cultural. Um, I think that for the most part, Specifically, women identifying folks are not encouraged to hype themselves. Um, we're not encouraged to like to to think that we are capable and worthy because if we are, then we are conceited or vain or full of ourselves. Like because that is often related to egotistical behavior. So I think that there's a lot of that pressure. Like if I think that I'm worthy of this, then I think too highly of myself. Right, like we're constantly um, we're constantly encouraged to knock ourselves down a peg, Um, and I think that that's definitely a cultural phenomenon. I think that there's also a lot of fear with women identifying folks to take up space because historically speaking, that has been a struggle for us, and it has not been something that we've been invited to do. You know, we haven't been invited to sit at the table, and if we have, then there's only been you know one seat us. And so there's a lot of, well, if so-and-so is already doing it, then why me? Mm. Um, So I think there's a lot of scarcity in terms of that, in that space. And I think that culturally speaking, you know, the way that our, our culture has evolved If that's the right word, because it really doesn't feel like it's going in the right direction. But our the way that our culture and really our social constructs are set forth does not support this idea that you know I'm worthy and my magic matters and what I have to say matters and my voice matters. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's definitely a cultural aspect to it, um, without you know just so much social conditioning. And I also think that that given the the sheer saturation of influencers or thought leaders or whatever you want to call them on social media, we can really allow a lot of feelings of comparison to kick in because we see so many people doing it and we think they're doing it better than I ever could. So what's the point of me doing it? Well,
0: yes, all of it. What you said about women are not encouraged to hype themselves. That is so real. That is so real because as soon as they even are confident, there's somebody in their life that's not used to them being confident Mm -hmm. that will call them out on that and it will make them never do it again. Yeah. And that's so frustrating because those are the people that you need to cut out or you need to like put in line and say, Hey, like this is just, I mean, it's just so interesting how quickly, even if somebody is getting into that place and then we're like, Oh no, I didn't want to come. I didn't want to be like that. That's not how I wanted to be taken. And it's like, just fuck it, like, yeah. fuck it. And that's so hard for us to say, right? Yeah. It's so hard for us to step into because whether it's an empath feeling or whether it's just like a who we are and wanting to keep peace in our place, like, I think that's something that so many people struggle with without even realizing it. I would love to know how you've stepped into that power.
1: I mean, there's definitely... Uh, I definitely still experience imposter syndrome. I don't think that it goes away. I don't think that you all of a sudden are just like, no, I'm good. I don't feel this anymore. I think that there's a there's a process of detachment from other people's opinions that begins to take place once you decide that your worthiness is yours and yours alone. Um, that your that your your sacred duty is to stand autonomously within your own skin and to make those choices for yourself. And I think that that's one of the bravest things that we can do. Um, It's not something that is really encouraged or it's not something that we're taught to do. But for me, it was really a matter of deciding that that the only way for me to show up in my integrity, and integrity is really what it always comes back to for me, the only way for me to show up in my integrity, to not have to pretend to be someone else, to not have to hustle, to be accepted and externally validated was to decide that, that I was willing to endure whatever the stakes were and if that meant that i lost people around me in my life and if that meant that i lost followers if that meant that i didn't make as much money as someone else doing the same kind of work as me then that was something that i i had to be willing to accept and I think that we hear a lot about, you know, own your worthiness and step into your power. And we think, you know, that it sounds like this really glamorous thing. It sounds like it's so liberating, but there is no liberation without sacrifice. And... Knowing that, hey, by standing in my power and liberating myself from other people's opinions, from other people's, uh, from the pressure to conform, from the pressure for external validation, from hustling for my worthiness, that I might also lose a lot, I think was probably one of the most pivotal things for me. Damn, that is
0: so good. Everything you just said, it's like it's so true. We think of it glamorous, we think of it as something like, hey, I'm turning into this person, and look at me, and I'm a Mm -hmm. phoenix rising from the fire it's, it's completely the dirty work, not the dirty yep. work. It's like, uh, you know, sketchy work, but the dirty <laughs> work, ugly and messy and hard. And I'm going to question it because it's nothing good should hurt, but it does. It mm-hmm. absolutely does. Um, I'm all on this kick of the layers, right? Like 2018 feeling like I'm just like, woo, on top of the world. And then 2019 just like, sh- sh- hit me in the face and I'm like, Oh my God, I have so much work to do. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like, I am realizing more and more, and this is all that I've really been thinking about is like every layer as painful as it is, it really is the limiting factor. The layer that I was not addressing was the limiting factor to growth in a way that I had no idea was related. Yeah. And damn, it sucks, but it's like, it is the most important work to do, which is really the work that you're doing. So I'm just so glad that you
1: pivoted. You went from macros to magic. And, so needed. <laughs> and I think too that it's like you can't you get to the point where it's harder to um, it's harder to pretend or to hustle to be someone that you think you're supposed to be than it is to be who you are. You know in the beginning stages of practicing authenticity, it's harder to practice authenticity than it is not to. And the more you deepen that practice, the harder it is not to practice authenticity. And I think you do get to that point, And there is that sort of shift that whether you recognize it in the moment or not, you get to this point, however long into that practice that you're like, fuck, I can't go back there's no way. There's no way for me to not show up authentically because I've been practicing it for so long. And I think that that's an important thing for people to recognize when it comes to practicing this stuff, because I I will often have people ask me like, okay, well, what's the best way to practice authenticity? Or how do I start learning to accept and love and nurture myself? You know, How do I detach from other people's opinions of me and stand in my own autonomy? And there's no simple answer. There's no quick fix. There's no magic pill. There's just that you do the work and you do the work regularly. And when you're doing that work, it can seem It can seem like it's not really reaping any benefits. It can seem like it's arbitrary until all of a sudden the shit hits the fan and you're forced to practice all of the things that you've been working on and actually put them into real life practice. And you go, damn, Like I've actually really grown. I've really evolved through this process. And a year ago, I would have handled this situation so much differently than I handled it today. Yes. ah, oh, That is so good. And I wonder sometimes since we've been
0: in it for so long, it makes it that much harder for those people that are maybe brand new in the world. I mean, social media is different than it was two years ago. Oh right? gosh. So different. Yeah. And, and I'm always just so curious, like how much harder it is. So if you're brand new, I totally feel that because of what you just said. It's like, it's harder to practice authenticity unless you do it from the get go. And then all of a sudden it's all, you know, but can you imagine even starting it? you know, last week and having all this noise around us in a way that you and I weren't, we just didn't have. And we had it in our different ways, I'm sure, whether it's people or whether it's, you know, kind of the fear of the unknown that might've just felt just as ominous as comparison, but it is true. It's like the sooner you can just dial in, the message or who you are or what you, I guess the full thing goes back to intention. Like what is your true Mm -hmm. intention with this? Is it purpose? Is it change? Is it growth or is it ego? And knowing that difference is always hard to find out when you're starting, but that makes so much sense when you put it that
1: way. I love that. Absolutely. And I think that uh, specifically for women, because we are such um, intuitive creatures and we do have that real um, undeniable connection to the divine feminine that so much of this work is, is already within you and has been sort of overshadowed by. Some type of trauma, perhaps, um, some type of like grown up bullshit that keeps you from connecting with those things. Because if you think back on before you started to allow conditioned behaviors to perpetuate, you know, self limiting narratives and negative narratives that steal from you, you probably were interested in a lot of things that are part of this work. Like I, I started reading, um, I think I read the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz when I was like 19 years old. Um, so I was always interested in that kind of work. Um, I remember reading, um, the power of now and, you know, in my early twenties and not necessarily fully, uh, grasping everything, but being really interested in these, in this idea of, of self-development and really spiritual development. And then that being overshadowed as I, you know, worked through a lot of trauma, as I, you know, endured a lot of trauma around my body, a lot of trauma around my self-worth, and then being able to come back to that full circle. So I think if we kind of remember that like that work is already, like it's inherent to you, and if you look back on before you started to perpetuate certain narratives about yourself or, you know, certain self-limiting things about the way that you show up in the world, like there was probably an interest as a child um in, you know, a curiosity, really, because that's what it's all about. A curiosity is seeking, like we've always been seeking. And so I think sometimes it we need to remember that we have been seeking from the get go. And if we can remember that and detangle it from all like the adult bullshit that we overthink and overanalyze, we can recognize that we're already capable of it.
0: It's perfect because I think when we look at the age and the kind of systems that we're in, we just assume it's too late. And then you oh. look and say, oh my God, no, this is something I've cared about for so long. Like this is just a very simple example. But for example, I have always wanted to work with animals and was pre accept like doing vet school on the way to vet school, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I couldn't, I couldn't imagine my life without animals and then all of a sudden it was like the only way I was gonna get I worked at a dog washing facility in order to like be around dogs. That's like how pivot my, my life turned drastically. So I was like, okay, I'm washing dogs. I guess that's my association. (laughs) Um, but I remember when I was creating the teas and the tea company and the spirit animals and the, the question I'll ask you before we close out is like about who, what your spirit animal is and how much it's like, so as silly as it is, how much it's directly impacted my life in such a beautiful way and adding spirit animal cards to the teas. Like, The simplest thing has brought me so much joy in a way that I would have thought when I was a kid, being a veterinarian would give me joy. And so it just shows up in these weird ways if you allow it to, Mm
1: -hmm. and if you
0: press that it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. It really does. I can't tell you how many women I work with. I work with a lot of healers because essentially that's what my business mastermind is. It's for um, women identifying healers. So people who do Reiki, people who read tarot, um, people who do different types of wellness coaching and so on. And a lot of these women will say, you know, I was really interested in, I always collected crystals when I was a kid. I was always fascinated by them. And then I didn't do it for a really long time. And then I came back to it and now I'm a Reiki master, you know? So (laughs) it always comes full circle if we allow it to, because we are already inherently who we are meant to be. We're we're not necessarily, and I love this idea of spiritual growth and expansion and development, but I think it's important that we recognize that expansion is really just us coming home to ourselves. The, the, the Mm -hmm. same, you know, Who we've always been, who we've always been, you know, who we've always always meant to be. That is so good. Coming home to myself,
0: but I love Mm -hmm. that. Uh, For you, was it hard for you to say, I'm a witch? I am intuitive. Yes. (laughs) I'm a a motherfucking awesome intuitive creature. Like, talk to me about that process because I think that's uh, understanding how witchy we actually are. Yeah. I mean, if we only knew. The, the, a fifth of it, right? Like, it's just pretty incredible. So, I would yeah. love to know your thoughts into that power and like trusting it and gaining that momentum to trust it even more and even more on a daily basis, which we're still all learning more every time we wake up, every time we pull tarot, et cetera. But like for you, what was that journey really like?
1: Well, I mean, it really took quite a long time to arrive at publicly identifying as a witch. And privately I always did, but like actually owning that word out loud. Um, I think that, you know, I found all the different loopholes around it, right? Like uh it was easier it was easy to identify as an empath and it was easy to say that out loud. Um, because that was something that people could wrap their heads around. You know, they could understand, oh, okay. I know what that means because I understand what empathy means. Um, and so that was, you know, easier for people to understand. And so for me, it felt like that was a safer, it felt safe. It felt, you know, and I do, and I am an empath and I do identify that way, but it felt safer to say empath. And then it felt safer, safer to say intuitive. Um, you know, and then it felt safer to say like intuitive coach, right. Or like, Mindset coach, like all these different ways that I tried to talk around being a witch. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I finally settled on, uh, at one point, um, you know, I really started to talk about being a light worker and what that meant. And people could understand that because that was something that they could conceptualize. And then none of it just, it never felt right. You know, it just never felt right because I knew I was a witch and I knew that I was hiding from it. And so it was absolutely terrifying to like put that in my bio and to, to just say that out loud. It was so scary. And for sure there's scrutiny and there's scrutiny from people who don't necessarily understand what that means or who have, um, you know, preconceptions about the word. And even after putting it out online, it was still something that I was hesitant to say to. In person to people in real life, yeah. Um, and it probably took me a couple of years. Probably, about, it took me about two years after starting to share this stuff on my social media platform till like now, when I meet people, if it comes up in conversation, I just straight out say, you know, well, I'm a practicing witch. So, and then I just keep the conversation moving. And then <laughs> so let's for
0: let's just have you define that because I think that would be a perfect place to kind of also. This is a great. Bio for me to put into your podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So define
0: for me, Nagar, like you as a witch. What does that represent?
1: Absolutely. Well, I think that there's there's um, very different identifications of witch. There are very many different kinds of witch. You know, there are hedge witches, green witches. um, There are uh, witches who practice all different types of. Magic. and magic isn't something that we can necessarily constrict or define because it's different for everyone. So for example, my dearest friend, um, she's a she's a clinical social worker and in that process what she does is she assists families in um, processing death. And so she does that like as her day job, but really she's a Reiki healer and she considers herself a death doula. And she is like this individual who helps people transition and understand this process of moving from one life to the next. Um, She also like, she also experiences astral travel and I've never experienced that. And I think that that's something that people need to recognize is that witchcraft is not like, if you practice witchcraft, you don't know how to do all these things because we all have individual gifts. I have another friend who is a medium and she cha- she channels um, spirits. I can't do that. And maybe I can someday, but I currently don't have that ability. That's not a part of my witchcraft. Um, my Practicing witchcraft is my the levels of intuition and empathy that I have, and my sensitivity to energy allows me to see what people need in order for them to expand deeper into the highest expression of themselves. So I can talk to someone for just a few minutes and know exactly what they need to hear and what they need to work on in order to move forward in their lives. Um, that's my gift. And adjacent to that, you know, I consider myself a word witch because my witchcraft is really not able to be detached from my ability to write. Um, My writing is part of my magic. It is not something that I necessarily want to do. It's something that I have to do. And it's my ability to write in a way that resonates with people. And when people say like, I can't believe, you know, it's like you're inside my head, you know, it's like you knew what I needed to hear. And it's like, I don't know you. You're a stranger on the internet. I don't know you, but I am able to channel collective energy and in that collective energy, I know what needs to be written. And so that's how I practice personally witchcraft in my work. Um, And of course, like, yeah. And of course, you know, I read tarot and I, and I, um, and I use crystals and, uh, you know, and I, I do do a lot of, um, of stuff with the moon in terms of the moon phases. And I'm, I am adjacent to astrology and that I'm very interested in it, but I don't practice it. Like I don't give astrological readings. Um, and tarot fits in for me in terms of my abilities as a, a practicing witch, because I am a storyteller. And tarot tells a story. And so, for me, being a word witch, that's like kind of the all encompassing and why I excel as a tarot reader and not as a medium, and not as a death jewel, and not as a Reiki healer. Like, we all have different healing modalities and different healing specialties. And so, I think it's important when we talk about witchcraft, we're not talking about, you know, we're all we're all like having a séance and we're all channeling spirits and we're all doing astral travel and we're all doing spell work like there are so many different ways to practice witchcraft my particular way happens to be through tarot and more specifically through words mm. i love what you said about it just
0: has to come out cuz that was kind of how you even started your blog you know forever mm-hmm. ago is saying like it just has to come out and i yeah. relate to this so strongly cuz there's moments where you know, and it kind of goes into the theme of like looking a certain way and being put in a box and being digestible for people. I just never, I just refuse to do that because there's times where I will pull over my car and I will just have this like word prompt or a sentence that gets stuck in my head and I repeat it over and over and I mm-hmm. just start writing and it just comes out of me out of nowhere and I feel, I have this like urgency, like you have to post this, that you have to share this with somebody needs Mm -hmm. to hear this. And as soon as you do it, it's like, oh my God, I needed to hear that. And even if it's one person, it's like, I did my, that was my work is listening to that cue. And despite what you're supposed to talk about, what you're supposed to do, because that's what it is, right? It's like all about this, what we think we should be doing in this world and in this brand and in this business. And, um, as soon as you just say, I guess fuck it is like the theme of the show.
1: Mm -hmm. Like,
0: like, and you just listen to that calling. It's just so, it's so incredible. I love that. I think for you, and I just, it's just perfect because we have a new moon, March 6th, which is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love if you could talk a little bit about this new moon specifically. It, it I, however, generic or however specific you want. I would love, um, since this is coming out on a new moon. I know this is something my listeners just absolutely love. I, I wish modern women. I, I don't know if you're familiar with their many moons
1: book. I know. Uh-huh. I loved that workbook. I'm, I'm sure yeah. she's on to. I'm sure Sarah's on to you know other things and other ways of working her magic in the world. But I always recommended the many moon's workbook to anyone who asked about working with the moon because it was a major part years ago. It was a major part of my being able to work in a more structured way with the moon. Isn't it? I mean, it was just
0: incredible. I still like look at old posts still. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. And I, yeah. I like their newest one as well. It's just a little bit different, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I don't even know. That was my only guide to the moon, really. Oh, wow. Of the journal is, that was it. And so I would love to see like, if there's any takeaways for us to kind of be thinking about today, um, or through this week or even in this month that I think would resonate with everybody. Cause we all, yeah. we all would like to be more witchy.
1: Like yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and I think that I think that for women-identifying folks in particular, be, working with the moon is really important because the moon represents the divine feminine, mm-hmm. um, with the sun representing, you know, the sacred masculine, and those are energies that have nothing to do with gender um, or gender identification, and they're just, you know, they're more disembodied energies that we can experience in different quantities at any given time. Um, but I think that it's very important. For those of us who identify as women to be connected to the moon, because that is where we are at home. Um, and so we have, of course, like a very, and I know that you do a lot of work in this realm, but a very simple like uh, way of reflecting on that is how deep we've gotten into hormonal birth control and a disconnection from our menstrual cycles. Mm-hmm. And I think that being able to pay attention to your menstrual cycle, if you happen to be on a, you know, not on hormonal birth control or you're, you're uh, potentially uh, don't have some sort of interruption to your menstrual, like menstrual cycle to be able to see how it is affected by the moon and how it works with the moon. Like I ovulate with the new moon almost always and and menstruate with the full moon almost always. So I don't have like a, 26 day cycle i have a well, however long the moon cycle is is when i when i'm going to be menstruating and um and i think that that's you know it's an important thing for us to be in touch with so i think that if you're someone who is looking to step into working with magic and it feels maybe a little bit inaccessible, um, or a little bit too complex or a world that you're not really sure how to engage with. Working with the moon is a great entry point for that. Mm. Um, there's a lot of information out there about it too. And it's really, you know, we're drawn to the moon. I mean, I can't, uh, I cannot, be around a beautiful, bright moon in the sky of any variety without staring at it. You know, it's not something that I can pull myself away from. Um, So I think that working with the moon is a great way for people to get started with this type of work Uh, with this new moon in uh, this new moon is in Pisces. And so I think that it's, it's really great because it's, it's so intersectional with the conversation that you and I have been having because Pisces is the, the 12th sign on the astrological wheel. And it is the most empathic, the most intuitive, uh, the most clairvoyant, and really the most like emotional of all the signs um, because it has. Absorbed all of the lessons that each sign before it has overcome and endured. And so there's really this idea of like spiritual ascension in the sign of Pisces. And that is not something that you can only embody if you have Pisces in your birth chart somewhere. That's an energy that we can all embody. And I think that that's an important thing to discuss when it comes to astrology is that, you know, their archetypes in some ways. So whether or not you have it, and you probably do, right? Like People think um, astrology is like their sun sign, right? Like I'm a Leo sun. Um, But there's so much more to your astrological chart than where the sun was when you were born. Um, And so you probably have Pisces somewhere in your chart, and that's worth looking into. But Pisces is really all about... Um, this like spiritual ascension and this ability to listen to intuitive messages and to be connected to source, to be connected to the universe in a way that really allows you to listen and to be connected to these messages that are happening at all times. So when you mentioned that sometimes you just have to pull over because you hear something repeating and you have to get it out and you don't question it, you don't question it and you just put it out there because you are attuned to that internal voice and you are attuned to those universal messages. And so this Pisces new moon is really an invitation for us to get more deeply attuned to those messages. I always think of new moons as an invitation. Um, You are invited to see things in a new way, in a fresh way, in a deeper way. Um, you're invited to embark on some type of new endeavor, whether it's a creative endeavor, a business endeavor, or a spiritual, personal endeavor. You're invited to enter into new relationships, new ways of being in the world, new ways of seeing the world around you. And so this is really an invitation for all of us to either connect with our intuition and connect with those those universal messages that are occurring at all times that we are Conditioned to ignore um, or to deepen that practice. And so, wherever you are, whether you have no experience in witchcraft or moon magic or astrology or any of this, or you're already working in this and you're looking to deepen that practice, there's opportunities during this March new moon for us to get more deeply connected, which will require pausing, slowing down, listening. So, it's less about doing and it's more about listening.
0: Hmm.
1: I love it. I love it. I love it.
0: I need it. I need all
1: of it. I have- <laughs> well, we all at any given time, you know, so it's yeah. like, no matter where you are on that spectrum of spiritual growth, there's always going to be something about every lunar event or every lesson or every message that relates to you because we're just consistently leveling up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, God, I just feel like that's been my last, like,
0: two weeks really is this kind of hibernation hermit. Yes. Like, I just want to feel at peace in my own brain. And I know I'm not going to get it anywhere else because I can find it if I just be still enough to demand it.
1: Yes, absolutely. I have been heavy in a hermit phase for like Ah. the last several months. And I think that when you're in that hermiting sort of phase, it can be really easy to judge yourself for it and to wonder like, well, why am I withdrawing? You know, why don't I want to be social or why, you know, why do I, why am I irritable when I'm around other people? You know, why am and we tend to sort of judge ourselves and think that there's something, there's like a negative connotation with being a hermit, right? Mm-hmm. um but i think that if we can accept it and honor it we can recognize that those hermit phases come throughout our lives and they serve us more than they steal from us they serve as an opportunity for us to get more connected to our internal landscape um you know which i think is is the is the most it's the most responsible thing we can do as human, being, human beings on this planet is to be so deeply to, deeply connected to our internal landscape that we are able to show up in the world as like our true authentic selves. Yes. And I think especially
0: when you have talked, even at the beginning, when you address boundaries, right? We yes. think of boundaries being this, all right, now I have to create this boundary and re, like enforce this boundary, and which sometimes has to happen when we're not quite sure what feels good and what doesn't feel good and we're kind of figuring it out but the that's the best lesson that has happened in the last couple months of it really has been like a three week hermit phase yes <laughs> i feel oh, that for sure yeah it's like oh my god i don't have it. there's no let me think of the boundaries that need to be made it's like no this just has to happen like this is what it is. And there's no need to explain it. It is just, it happens. And it's like, it. it's exactly what you just said, right? When we pause and we create something that's that responsibility, it's so cool because it's on us. It's on us to connect with ourselves in order to make that effortless. It becomes just an extension of us versus something that we have to constantly think about and worry about and make sure we're doing, which I think sometimes we always get stuck in. Like, is this right? Is this wrong? Which mm-hmm. I do. So I love that. That is, it's really important work. So
1: the boundary aspect of it is also really important during this Pisces New Moon for those of you who do identify already as empaths or healers or intuitives in any way, um, because boundaries are going to be so essential to you um, if you if you aim to do that work without being burnt out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because once you identify. As an empath, and once you put that energy onto the world, and you accept that calling, you identify as an intuitive as a healer, um, you will start to see a lot of people attracted to you who want a piece of your energy, and that is great as long as that energetic exchange is equal, and as long as it doesn't, it does not cross your boundaries. Because we're not useful as empaths and intuitives if we don't have boundaries. I would love to dig into this before I ask
0: you your spirit animal. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because, oh my God, this is the work, right? I feel like, and I know you are probably still, you still, you get it more than I will ever because of the draw of like, oh, this is something magical and touch Like it's different than just like, what's your meal plan? You know, it's it's a little bit more draining than something. um, But I'm curious because this is where... I have a hard time. And maybe this goes into like, even what you said that really resonated about, like, we're not encouraged to hype ourselves. Like that's something I've always struggled with. Like as soon Mm -hmm. as I go, I, you know, there's like very, such a small line of confident to cocky. And I've felt that since forever, since playing sports at a young age, et cetera. And I am curious if this also is that line of, when someone says, can I pick your brain Mm -hmm. or how can I fit? Can we have coffee? Um, can we get, you know, it's like, it is constant and I know it's always going to be constant, but I have zero idea how to do it and say no in a way that's like outside of just like pushing it off or out, outside of just knowing like, this is not something that I know I can do, but I don't know how to explain it well, Mm -hmm. um, because you do want to help everybody and you want, you're like, well, what if I was in that position? I would love somebody to be my mentor, but I have no capacity for it. And I always struggle with this piece of like knowing how to address it. And I, maybe I always will struggle with it, but Uh,
1: it never feels, I mean, it always feels a little bit scary to, Mm -hmm. to protect your boundaries. You know, it always, no matter what, like it's, even if you have practiced it and you feel confident in it, it's still always a little bit scary because you're like, I don't know how they're going to take this because you can't control that. You know, we can't manage how other people are going to respond to our boundaries. So I think that's the most important thing is recognizing that, um, that even if you exert your boundaries and you communicate them, you can't manage how other people are going to respond to that. Yeah, um, And especially if other people don't have boundaries and they don't practice protecting their energy, then they're going to, it's going to throw them off. If you're like, this is a boundary for me. Um, because people who don't have boundaries don't respect other people's boundaries. Mm. Um, and so I think that's an important thing to discuss when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like people want to pick your brain or people want to have coffee or they, they see the work that you're doing and you know, they want to, um, they want to, they want to absorb it from you in some way. Um, I always like to think, okay, I give this person the benefit of the doubt that they don't know that I offer this as a service. Mm. So that's, that's a big thing for me is like, I, because my first reaction used to be like, I was annoyed. I was, I was like, who, why would you do this? Why would you ask me for this? Like, why would you ask to just take my time and my energy for free? without mm-hmm. offering something in exchange. Um, so I always just try to assume, okay, I give people the benefit of the doubt. And I assume they don't know that I offer this as a service. They don't know that I get paid to do this, mm-hmm. um, or they don't know that they're crossing a boundary because how can they know that they're crossing a boundary if I'm not clear about the boundary? That's a great point. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's perfect. And I would love
0: just... Um, You do one-on-one consults, but you also are about to launch your new group consult uh, program, the Alchemy Collective. You have a mastermind. I would love if you could just talk about outside of your um, Instagram where you have Instagram TVs and kind of longer videos about the moons and all the things we talked about, guys. Go watch this Mm -hmm. because she digs into (laughs) it in detail. Um, But outside of your Instagram, what other things, like where do people go? How do they connect with you? I would love you to just talk about kind of the best way to plug in to what you do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I primarily like on the internet live on Instagram, uh, because I really appreciate that the platform really has become sort of an all in one experience, which of course is their marketing tactic, but it's, they've got me right. So (laughs) they got me, I'm hooked. Um, (laughs) I don't like to spread my energy too much across different platforms. So, um, so I primarily do a lot of work on Instagram. Um, my behind the scenes work is of course spent writing and illustrating. I'm, um, illustrating an Oracle deck. Oh, Um, that should be fun. Um, that is a really terrifying project for me, uh, because it's definitely like a new landscape for me to step into, but, um, it's, so perfectly aligned with the work that I'm doing. So I'm doing that. Um, I'm writing a book that I'm self-publishing and um, the main projects that I have going on this year that are with other individuals are, of course, my mastermind, which is the Magic Maker Mastermind and um, the Alchemy Collective, which should be launching here in, in the next few weeks. It's intended for women identifying folks who want to unpack um, and dismantle like all of the behaviors and conditioning and things that are holding them back, um, being able to reframe that, reclaim their worthiness and step into their power. So that's kind of the big project that I have going on. But yeah, if you want to, um, here's the thing though if you want to engage with me on Instagram, I'm totally down, but I'm not going to answer personal questions in the DMs, just like we were talking about boundaries, you know, yes. which, which used <laughs> to be so scary for me because it was like, okay, well, if I don't talk with people, then how do I build relationships? And if I don't build relationships, then how do I grow my brand and how do I grow my business? And I think that it's important to recognize that if you have a massive body of work, if you have a body of work like you have and like I have with tons of free blog posts and free videos and you know all these free resources that exerting that boundary of like, hey, I would love to answer this question for you. Here's a link to book a session with me um, is scary, but it's also necessary to protect your energy and to also inform other people of your boundaries. So like just this morning, I had someone on Instagram, because like I said, that's where I live on the internet. I had someone on Instagram message me with a very personal question that would really have required a lot of my energy. Mm-hmm. And of course I want to help this person because of course this is what I do, but I can't help that person in my integrity through Instagram DMs without asking for an equal energetic exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just said, I'm so sorry that you're experiencing this. I would love to help you. However, it goes across my boundaries to have this, um, personal discussion through Instagram DMS, but there's a link in my bio. If you'd like to book a session, thank you so much for understanding. Um, and she actually responded back and was like, I totally understand. I didn't mean to cross your boundaries. I really appreciate you being clear. So to kind of just take that full circle. <laughs> no, that's perfect.
0: It's so true. It's like, and I don't think people realize it unless they just start a business. And maybe many of us are like, all of us are like, no, we have to be on it all the time to, to respond to those answers. Mm-hmm. But the people that we want, right, don't forget. And this is something I have to remind myself, the people we want are going to do a little bit of digging. They're going to mm-hmm. be all, you know, obviously that's on us to make it clear and to communicate and to, you know, direct as appropriate, which is the work of more of a website or a developer. Yep. <laughs> you know, there's other things that go into it, but it really is, once that is clear, that that landing page or that email, that is where you mm-hmm. can focus on. You, do, yep. you should not be putting energy into these... DMs because I've noticed the times that I get sucked into it, whether it's a challenge launch or whatever it is, I'm like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. I'm stressed You're out. So I'm, exhausted. So, I'm annoyed at everybody. Nobody talked to me. I want to just die. Like, it,
1: like it's so yeah. crazy about it. And that doesn't serve anyone. And yes. right now, Mercury, as of today, actually, Mercury is retrograding through Pisces. And when Mercury is in retrograde, because Mercury is the planet that governs communication, um, it's always an opportunity for us to pause and reflect on how we communicate. And so because it's, mer- it's Mercury retrograding through Pisces, it's how do we communicate our emotions? How do we communicate our boundaries around our emotions and our energy? How do we do our work in the world as intuitives and empaths healers and people who are sensitive to energy while communicating that in a way that protects our energy. And so that might be something that you find yourself. And it's probably why we've been hermiting leading up to this, right? Because it's an opportunity and invitation for us to identify how we expend our energy and to create more boundaries around that because boundaries are not walls, right? Boundaries are not like, bitch, don't talk to me. Like, I don't have time for you. Boundaries are an opportunity for us to equally exchange energy with other people yeah it's the
0: inhale and the exhale mhm Ah, oh, I love this. Thank you so much.
1: What do you know what your spirit animal is? I do. I've known actually since I was a kid. Yeah. So, so I used um so I used to see lizards all the time when I was a kid in like the most random places where that shouldn't have happened. Um and it was always kind of like a like a messenger. Um when I was really little, I think I was maybe like 4. I remember my sister and I were sitting watching cartoons and the front door was open and a giant lizard just walked into walked in through the front door. Oh love um, <laughs> and another time when uh I was I we had a pool in our backyard. I was maybe like eight or nine and I went to stick my feet in the pool and there was a salamander in the pool. Um and just like random things like that. Like I would just see them in like door frames and like the most random places, um, and really kind of always identified with lizards just Uh. in places where they shouldn't have been. And I think that a lot of times people are like, how do I know my spirit animal? But a lot of times it's like, well, do you see the animal in a place that's not necessarily where you would see it? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And I
0: like, what is that? And that's like the message of like, is that for my right now? Or Mm -hmm. is that my friend? But I I just read your lizard and I'm going to read it out loud. This Okay, cool. My Stephen Farmer book. I love, um, I'm just going to read parts of it cause it's, it's perfect. Um, you're a dreamer and a visionary clairvoyant paying close attention to the visual and kinesthetic information you receive and determining your path. You intuitively know when to remain still and quiet and when to take action when you do it's effortless, quick and purposeful. This it's is, so uh, perfect. <laughs> I'll send you, I'll send you the whole one. Yeah. Um, thank you, Nagar. This has been such a I mean, I just, again, all these podcast guests are just like totally because I want to hang out with you guys all the time. So you are another incredible guest that I selfishly wanted to have on because I wanted to meet you and get to know you outside of Instagram and my follower. It's just perfect. So thanks for being the meathead hippie that you are.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yay.